So would you please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We are going to read roughly the same text that we read last week because it deals uh, extensively with the the gifts of prophecy and of tongues and last week's message was on prophecy this week and Lord willing next week will both be on the gift of tongues. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 14 verses 1 to 28 and then 39 and 40. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. I want to stop there for a moment. He's not saying prophecies greater than tongues. He's saying the one who prophesies is greater because what they bring in the moment or in the church has the impact of building everyone up, whereas bringing the tongue is only building up without interpretation the tongue speaker. Okay, So he's not ranking the gifts against each other. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, If the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying... I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say, Amen, to your thanksgiving? 
since they do not know what you are saying. You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. In the law, it is written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues, then, are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three, should speak, one at a time. And someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. And then down to verse 39. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting an orderly way. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Start with a fun story that um, Rachel, my daughter, has given me permission to share. Uh, quite a number of years ago, I'm going to guess about maybe six or seven years ago, uh, Rachel was in the bathroom one morning and she was speaking and singing in a way, singing away in what um, didn't sound like English, we weren't sure what it was, but it didn't sound like English at an age where she was already very fluent in English. And the door was open, and so Anne walked by and heard her. She said, just, just, Anne just gently asked, what are you doing, Rachel? And without missing a beat, Rachel responded, I'm tonguing like daddy. <laughs> now, some of you might be laughing because you're old enough to understand uh, another meaning of the word tonguing, but she meant that she was Speaking in tongues, she was imitating what she hears Daddy doing. Because Daddy um, gets ready every morning and shaves and showers with worship music 
most mornings in the bathroom. And I often just sing along, worship the Lord, most of the time in English, but sometimes my worship moves from English into tongues. And apparently, the kids can hear me from outside the bathroom. I did not know that until Rachel shared that she was tonguing like Daddy. But in any case, it warms my heart uh, deeply to think about her not only saying that, but the fact that my daughter's growing up with the experience that tongues are normal and they're a good gift from our Heavenly Father. And what I want to begin by saying is, I think, unfortunately, that hasn't been the experience for most of us here. I think that some of us have... uh, for as long as we've been in Christ, have lived with a combination of either silence on the gift, maybe ignorance about the gift, maybe some confusion, maybe some hurt, perhaps even a little bit of resentment about the gift of tongues. Some of us have had people pray for us to receive this gift, telling us that it is the sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then looking down on us when we didn't seem to receive it. Some of us have experienced being in worship services where people speaking or singing in tongues seem to take over in ways that were confusing or that were chaotic and that really didn't seem to build up the group. Some of us have seen people wear the gift of tongues kind of like a badge of spirituality and it was off-putting and it reeked of both pride and insecurity at the same time. And I think perhaps this is as good a place as any for me to just set the record straight from the beginning. We are not more spiritually mature if we speak in tongues. Spiritual maturity is measured by our growth in Christ. His love, his wisdom, his power. As Paul says, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power, of wisdom, and of a sound mind power, love, and a sound mind. So we are sons and daughters of God, and Jesus, the Son, is our measure for maturity. Tongues is a gift. And gifts don't get given attached to our maturity. So we can have the gift and be just as spiritually immature as a brand new baby uh, who's just born into this world. We can have brand new Christians We're really spiritually immature, but I have the gift of tongues. Okay, back to our experiences. Some of us have shied away from it because it seems mystical and it doesn't fit neatly with our strong need to understand. Some of us have had much curiosity and hunger regarding this gift, but we've lacked solid teaching and prayers for impartation of the gift. Some of us have asked God for the gift of tongues. We've not received it yet, and so we've got both disappointment and questions. And so, what seems clear to me as I prepared to both teach on this gift, but also to prepare us to receive and to welcome it as a good gift from God, is this. If my messages on tongues are going to be of benefit to us, individually and corporately, I think that we first need to pause and, and as it were, ask God for a clean slate as it regards this gift. Here's what I mean. Let me explain a little bit before we do it, okay? I had this, this thought occur to me as I was preparing this sermon. 
that seems really simple and yet really profound at the same time. Throughout all of eternity, God has never had a bad idea. Throughout all of eternity, God has never had a bad idea. Nothing that originates with and comes from God is ever anything but good. And God in his goodness decided that tongues was something good he desires to give to believers and the church. I recently read a work a brief work that gave historical examples of prominent believers from early church fathers like Irenaeus and Augustine to reformers like Martin and Luther, all the way through to the people in the present who all welcome, practice, and celebrated the gift of tongues. Every generation needs to receive God's good gifts for themselves. And so if we're going to receive at Gold Avenue Church this gift as God intends it, I think we need to first be able to agree with God. And I think that agreeing with God for some of us might mean maybe we need to forgive humans for their misuse or their abuse of a good gift. Maybe we need to forgive immature or incorrect use of the gift. Maybe we need to humble ourselves and welcome God working in ways that go beyond our intellect. Maybe we need to name past disappointments and offer them up to God. And so before I continue or begin really teaching about the gift, I'm actually going to give us a minute or two of silence and just allow us to to begin to do these things right now because I really want for us to be able to agree with God and give him space to work as he pleases. So let me lead us into prayer and then I'll close us in a moment. Father, you alone know what each of us has experienced and felt in relationship to this good gift that you've given and desire to give. And we offer those things up to you now and pray that you'd help us to pray about them. Father, thank you for hearing our hearts and our prayers. Thank you for helping us to forgive where it's needed, for helping us to humble ourselves where that's needed. And we really do pray that you would give us a clean slate as it regards this gift that we could each and all together accept everything that you have for us in your goodness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, friends, I'm not sure how far I'll get this morning, but it's my goal that this week we tackle the what question about this gift. That we say, what is this gift of tongues? And perhaps we'll even have time for a couple of brief questions at the end of this message. So I used to do that a number of years ago. Some of you will be familiar. I just think it might be important for us to have that, that space. 
And then I think next week we'll deal with the how question. How does one receive the gift of tongues? How is it imparted and activated? How do we grow the gift, both as an individual and in community? And most important, along with that, why is it so edifying? So what is the gift of tongues? Well, Paul gives us a lot of insight in this chapter. He names four things that help us to clearly identify what tongues is. But he also names, alongside that, a number of uses of the gift of tongues. And so even as I share these uses and these defining characteristics of the gift, I want to caution us from the beginning. Paul didn't write this chapter as a systematic theology on the gift of tongues. He wrote it to address a specific situation in the church in Corinth. And so we can learn a lot as we look at that situation, but this isn't comprehensive. And so we're going to find it's not going to address all of the questions we might have about what God intends and how God works through the gift of tongues. But it'll be a very helpful start. So, four uses of the gift, and then four things he says that help us to understand what it is. First use. Tongues is a, can be a personal prayer language. Paul writes, I will pray with my mind, but I will also pray with my spirit. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. So he's making really clear that one use of tongues is praying to God from our spirit. We'll say a lot more about that later. Second use, tongues as a personal prayer language. Second use, tongues as a form of praise. Paul also writes, I will sing with my spirit. And then in the next verse he talks about to the, to the church about praising God with your spirit. So there are, many, there are many occasions, like I mentioned in the beginning of the message, where I'm worshiping the Lord in English, and then I find myself kind of doing what Marissa said as she was leading worship this morning, reaching the end of the words that I have to praise God. And it, and it just shifts from worshiping him in, in English and it kind of bubbles over into a flow of praising him from my spirit in tongues. It's sort of a continuation. Now, we can do this personally, but I've also experienced beautiful situations in corporate worship where the group was singing to the Lord and the song, you know, the the scheduled lyrics ended, like we reached the end of them, but the worship didn't stop. And the musicians kept playing, and on a number of occasions, it's like people just continued to pour out their love for the Lord, many of them in English, and I would say just as many in tongues, And it's not confusing, it's not chaotic, it actually has this beautiful, swelling, I would say, heavenly sound just being lifted up before the throne of God, all kind of co-mingled together. No one's taking over another one, no one's super loud, it's just a swell of love and adoration coming in Uh, mostly English and tongues. I've also had it where there's other languages being commingled with those, but all together. So tongues can be personal prayer language. Tongues can be worship 
to the Lord. And then third, tongues can be an actual foreign language. So you think about the day of Pentecost where the Spirit's poured out, everybody gathers around, and what do we hear them say? We all hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. Now here's the interesting question. Which way did this miracle work? As the Spirit came on the apostles and they spoke in tongues, which is what the text tells us, did they speak in actual foreign languages? And that was the miracle? Or did they speak in the tongue God gave them and it was heard in a foreign language? Well, let me tell you two stories and I, I'll just tell you right away. I think the answer is both and. It can be both. Okay, So two, here's two current uh, true stories. A friend of mine was teaching in San Mateo, California when uh, in, the, in the middle of the... It was, teaching and worship, a woman came forward and she gave a message in tongues in a Chinese dialect. So my friend is a Chinese speaker and so he could recognize that it was a Chinese dialect. He didn't understand it, but he could tell it was a Chinese dialect. Then another man came running forward to the front of the church and said, yes, Jesus, yes, I will go, I will go, I will go. What was going on? Well, come to find out, the man who came forward said that the woman who delivered a message delivered it in his, his, his grandmother, grandmother's dialect, which he knew because he was from China, calling will you, him directly, will you please come over and help us bring the gospel to us We need you. The Lord is calling you. So the woman gave the message in a Chinese dialect that she did not know or speak. And the man who came responding to the Lord understood that dialect because it was his grandmother's dialect. Okay. Uh, Another friend shared with me recently a story of his missionary friend in Kyrgyzstan who was walking down the street one day, and as he was walking down the street, saw another man walking toward him, and as he saw that man, felt the prompt from the Spirit, speak in tongues. And so, with a little fear and trepidation, began speaking in tongues. His tongue is personal prayer language. And all of a sudden, the man stops, runs up to him, listens to him, starts speaking to him in Kyrgyzstani or whatever language you speak in Kyrgyzstan, and, and which he didn't understand, he didn't know that language, and the man motioned, you stay right here, and he ran away. And then he came back and he brought his son, who spoke English, and the son said, my dad wants to say thank you for all of the things that you just said that you're going to do for our village. And the man said, well, what did I say I was going to do for your village? <laughs> and, And he said, well, you said you were going to build a school and you were going to help the children and you were going to do this and you were going to do that. And the man said, okay, because he'd been praying and seeking the Lord. Lord, you called me here, but what are you calling me to? What am I to do? Okay. 
So he spoke in a tongue his personal prayer language. It wasn't Kyrgyzstani, whatever. I don't even know if I'm getting that right. But anyways, uh, but the man heard it. The Holy Spirit worked the miracle of translating, and the man heard it in his own language. Okay? So tongues as an actual foreign language can work both ways. Fourth use of the gift of tongues, Paul references in this text is as a sign for unbelievers. He says, since you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. For this reason, anyone who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you as a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation? And then he gives instructions for speaking, with interpretation. But he'd earlier said tongues are, are a sign not for believers, for unbelievers. So how do we put this together and understand him talking about tongues with interpretation and tongues being a sign for unbelievers? Well, here's a story that I think can help to illustrate that. And again, this is a contemporary story shared with, uh, with me by a friend. This friend's father was in a church in West Texas when uh, somebody gave a message in tongues. That message in tongues was followed by another person standing up and translating the message as a prayer to the Lord. That was followed by someone in the back row, a man in the back row, first-time visitor, atheist, standing up and saying, you just delivered a message in fluent French telling God exactly what I need. And you just interpret it perfectly. Turns out, I guess he was a French professor or something, atheist. God is surely in this place. Okay. Well, that's exactly what Paul says would happen when an unbeliever hears tongues as a sign with interpretation. Okay? So, four uses of the gift of tongues that we see, at least in this text, flowing out of Scripture. And there are others that I, I, I'll describe briefly later. But let's just name, the, again, these four major ones. Tongues as a personal prayer language. Tongues as a form of praise or of worship to the Lord. Tongues as an actual foreign language. Tongues with interpretation. Let's say as mostly as a sign for unbelievers. That's not limiting God from speaking through tongues and interpretation, but it seems like if he wanted to speak to the church, it would mostly or most directly be through the gift of prophecy. Uh, and not through a tongue and an interpretation. Because that's why, maybe why Paul says, with interpretation, it's a sign for an unbeliever. I hope that makes sense. So let's, let's shift now and say, what is tongues? What does Paul say it is? Well, he's got four, four things that help us clearly understand it. For 14 verse 2, Paul writes, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. So this might sound really simple, but we need to clarify it. When you speak in a tongue, you're speaking to God. 
So you might on occasion speak in tongues in the presence of other people, whether in worship, whether in delivering a message, whether in a ministry setting, but your prayer, your speech is directed to God. Okay? Second thing he says, in verse 14 to 15, Paul writes, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding or with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. So speaking or praying in tongues involves speaking or praying to God from our spirit. So we need to remember briefly that we are body, soul, and spirit. Our soul is our mind, our emotions, and our will. Right? And so, remember the psalmist, Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. He who forgives your sins and heals all your diseases. He's talking to His own mind and His heart, and He's saying, Line up. Get in line with me. He's speaking from actually from his spirit, I'd say, and saying, all my thoughts, all my emotions, bless the Lord. Okay? But we aren't just our thoughts or just our emotions. We aren't just our soul. We have a spirit. That deep place within us or that deepest part of us, right? The psalmist says, deep calls out to deep. Paul said earlier in this letter, don't you know that those of us who are in Christ are one spirit with him. We're joined to him. So we have a spirit to whom the Holy Spirit is joined. And Paul's saying we can pray from the spirit. I'll pray with my mind, but also pray with my spirit. So I'll give you an example. Okay. When I pray. My spirit is praying. My mind is not. But I'm very much praying. I'm not not praying because my mind doesn't understand it. Paul says, when I pray with my spirit, my spi- when I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. Okay? So this not understanding bit now leads us to the third thing he says about tongues. Praying in tongues, says Paul, involves praying mysteries. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, writes Paul. So when we're speaking in tongues or praying in tongues, we're, we're speaking or praying something that's unknown to us. When the Bible talks about a mystery, it doesn't mean it's a mystery to God. It means it's unknown to human beings. So the tongue speaker or prayer or singer is speaking from their spirit to God something that they don't know. It's a mystery to them. Another way of describing what happens as we speak in tongues is this. We could say that we are by faith yielding our tongue as an instrument of God the Holy Spirit to whom we are joined and he is praying 
through us. Which helps us to really understand the fourth thing that Paul writes about speaking in tongues. He says, speaking in tongues edifies us. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, says Paul. Now you remember last week, Pastor Gina taught us that this word edify is a technical term in the Greek that refers to an architect who is enlarging a house in order to increase its capacity to hold and serve more people. It describes the way in which someone is carefully designing for the strengthening and the enlarging of a building. I'll just translate that over to the temple, the building of the Holy Spirit that is you. When we pray in tongues, we are praying, joined to the Holy Spirit, to God, prayers directed, led, spoken by the Spirit that edify, that build up, strengthen, and encourage us. They enlarge our faith because they're being directed by the one who's the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one who created us, the one who redeemed us, the one who knows us better than we know ourselves, the one who knows exactly what we need when we need it, is directing the contents of our prayer as we pray in tongues. I'll give you a couple of examples in a moment, but first let me share this. I think Romans 8 gives us the most beautiful picture of how God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit may be at work through our praying in tongues. So, verse, verse uh, I think it's 26 or so, Paul says, The Spirit intercedes with groans that words cannot express. Notice this. The Spirit intercedes. In verse 27, he says, The Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So the Spirit intercedes. The Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And then he moves on and he says in verse 34 and 35, we can't be separated from the love of Christ who is also interceding for us. You've got the Spirit interceding. You've got the Son interceding. They're interceding in accordance with the Father's will. And then he says, back in verse 28, the Father works for the good of those who love him in all things. Okay? So let's put it all together. You've got the Father working absolutely everything that happens to us for our good. We've got the Spirit and the Son both interceding on our behalf. And not only are they interceding for us, but they're doing so in accordance with the Father's will as He works for our good. It's kind of like each one of us is caught up in the love of the Trinity who is praying for us. And I believe that a large part of what happens as we pray in tongues is that we are participating with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's work of building up and building out our faith 
our hope and our love of growing us up into Christ. We might not know how to pray, but as we offer our tongues in faith to the Holy Spirit, He prays through us. We may be facing any number of difficult or painful circumstances, confusing circumstances, troubling, and as we pray in tongues, the Spirit prays through us. It might sound like this. If I prayed in tongues, but you could hear what the Spirit was praying, you might hear, Father, Dave knows that he lacks wisdom for this situation, but he doesn't even know what to ask you for. I ask that you reveal to him what's at the root causing the situation, and then you show him very specifically what he should ask you for. Father, Dave has so faithfully prayed for breakthrough in such and such area, and you've been pleased with his faith, but he's growing weary, and he's being tempted to pull back in prayer right when you want to bring that breakthrough. Father, strengthen his faith. Give him increased courage. Remind him of the faith of Abraham, of Mary, of Jesus. Yes, Father, fill his heart with faith. Father, I ask you to help Dave experience more of your pleasure and delight in him. He's working so hard on your behalf. Help him to trust and to rest in your love for him. Yes, Father, root and establish him deeper in Christ's love that his whole life will proceed from that love. Father, Dave thinks that this situation he's experiencing with his wife is primarily her responsibility or her, you know, give him humility, open the eyes of his heart so that he can see what his role is. I could give you hundreds of examples of how I think the Spirit prays the Word for us and through us every time we pray in the Spirit. When I pray in tongues, I consistently experience these three things, and I'm just talking about one area right now. I consistently experience inner strengthening in the Lord. I consistently experience a strengthening of faith, of hope, and of love. And I so very often have scripture come flowing into my mind and heart as I pray in tongues. I might not know what to pray or how to pray or how to face a situation, but when I yield my tongue to the Holy Spirit, He gifts and gives. Okay, so you know, Paul just, uh, Jesus says the Spirit is like a river proceeding from us, right? And anyone who comes to me out of his inner being will flow rivers of living water. Paul says we've all been given one spirit to drink. It's a, it's a metaphor for the spirit. When we pray in tongues, it's like the river is unleashed, is flowing. There are a number of other ways that God works through this gift. What I'm The, the major way I'm describing right now is that... Uh, as we pray in tongues, God consistently strengthens us and um, himself prays for us. 
But what I, I hope next week to be able to describe many different ways in which we've seen the Lord work through tongues where he doesn't just edify the person who's praying, but I've seen him minister healing. I've seen him minister physical healing to people. I've seen him give, like Paul says in the text, words of knowledge, of revelation. He says, what value will I be if I speak in tongues unless I come to you with a word of knowledge, revelation, or prophecy? I've seen the Lord give those as people speak in tongues. Seen the Lord work through this gift in hundreds of ways. I think it was probably about five or six years ago that uh, a, a professor at Calvin Seminary was teaching a course on 1 Corinthians and asked if Pastor Gina and I would come and teach on, on tongues on 1 Corinthians 14. So we were, we were driving home or flying home from a conference and we said, let's just write a list of the ways we've seen the Lord use this gift. And before we were done, we had a page, two sides of stories in just minutes of ways we've seen the Lord work through this gift. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna save a number of those stories for next week, but let me just give you one quick story right now. Okay. Uh, I can't help it. After a worship service, um, Pastor Gina and I, this is probably, probably about six years ago, we were in our office and we were ministering to a member of Gold Avenue Church who's now with the Lord, and she was experiencing anxiety so deep that it was bringing her physical pain. So we prayed for her for a few minutes. Whatever we could sense to pray, we prayed some scripture, we prayed for comfort, we asked her how she was, she was still experiencing the same things. We're trying to discern you know, how much of this is medical, physical, how much of it is emotional and spiritual, trying to do that discernment work. And as we're praying for her, and we run out of things to pray in English, I, I feel this prompt, pray over her in the spirit. And so I ask her, you know, I'm feeling this prompt, would it be okay if I did this? And she said, yes, you may. So I began to pray over her in tongues. And as I began to pray softly, she had her eyes closed and all of a sudden we could see literally like a deep peace fall on her and wash over her and a smile on her face. And so we just both prayed quietly for a couple of minutes and then finally we're wondering what's going on. Pastor Gina says, so-and-so, how are you? And she breathes this deep Sigh, and she says, I'm wonderful. The moment you began praying in tongues, something physically lifted off of me, and the peace of the Lord came flooding over me, and I know he is with me right now, and he will carry me through this situation with my children and grandchildren. I don't know what the Lord prayed. I, I don't, you know, we don't know what happened in that interchange. There's something about this gift in particular that really, I think, requires humility and dependence on the Lord because it bypasses human understanding. We pray in faith. He works. He speaks. He moves. He shows his love and his power. And so I want to say to you, hopefully, right now we're beginning to understand why Paul says, I would like every one of you to pray in tongues. 
and why he says, I'm glad that I pray in tongues more than all of you. He's not boasting. He understands the value of the gift for building himself up in the Lord and for building others up in various ways, particularly as there's interpretation in a, in a group. And so, I think that brings us to the question of how are we going to obey as a group 1 Corinthians 14, verses 39 and 40. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So we're going to respond in obedience to both parts of this command. We will not forbid tongues. We'll welcome it as a good gift from the Lord and we'll do so in a fitting and orderly way. And so I want to end by giving just a couple of brief, maybe simple guidelines for how, how will we welcome this gift at Gold Avenue Church. They, may be, they might seem overly simple, but I think they need to be stated for clarity's sake, okay? We welcome singing in tongues in any way that supplements worship without overtaking or distracting from worship. So, for example, if we're all singing or praying in community in a way that our voices are all mingling with each other, as I described earlier, it needs no interpretation. It's a part of worship. However, if one voice raises itself over the others sort of to, to draw, sort of, so as to draw attention to itself, that would be distracting. That would not be welcome. That kind of singing or speaking in tongues where it's sort of singled out, that needs to either be held or delivered when there can be interpretation. Second, we welcome messages in tongues. They should be presented the same way that a prophetic word or any other message might be shared. They should be taken first to the non-preaching pastor, or if it's during testimony and sharing time, to one of the leaders. If they discern it appropriate for the time, then the message in tongues may be given and we'll look for an interpretation. I want to say to you that looking for interpretation may take a little bit of patience and grace space. Okay? Uh, let me give you an example, a quick story why. Anne's uh, younger sister, uh, Mary, shared with us that she was one time in a worship service where a person gave a message in tongues. And she immediately, intuitively knew what it meant. And she sat there and she wondered, they, they began to ask for an interpretation, and she wondered, why is nobody getting up and saying what this person just said? And they had a long silence. Long silence. And the leaders gave extra space. And finally somebody got up and they gave the meaning. And Mary said to herself, now I knew all along that's what it was. Why didn't somebody say that earlier? That sounds funny to you. But she's relaying it as it happened to her. It never occurred to her that she might be the one that maybe should have stood up and given the interpretation. 
She was brand new to the gift, hadn't seen it modeled, taught on, experienced anywhere. And so why, how is she going to know, right? So we need to have grace space to work it out together. But generally speaking, a, a message in tongues needs to be interpreted if it's public in order for it to be edifying for the group. Other times that it might be appropriate to speak or pray in tongues might be when you're serving in prayer ministry or when you're interceding for somebody. And I can share a few stories next week of what that looks like. And then, of course, we welcome and we encourage seeking and developing the gift of tongues as a personal prayer language. And again, Lord willing, next week I'll teach on receiving and growing in this gift. Let me end here. And... I, I see the time, but I'd still like to make space if there's a question or two before we close uh, that's burning or bubbling in anyone. Okay, well, now it's not the only time to ask questions. As they occur to you, as they bubble up, they're welcome. Come, talk to Pastor Gina, talk to myself, and we would be glad to continue to teach and to encourage. And um, let's close with a prayer and then sing our closing song together. Heavenly Father, um, Kevin read a scripture earlier that made clear to us that your thoughts aren't our thoughts, your ways aren't our ways. But we do again say to you that all your thoughts and all your ways are good. And so we thank you that in your goodness, you've given this gift to your church. And we thank you that in your goodness, you intend to strengthen, encourage, and build us up through it. And we right now very simply both welcome and ask you to continue to give this gift and to grow your church through it. And Lord, because it's a gift that's been particularly misunderstood, we ask for your special grace to be poured out in this place and upon us to welcome it and to nurture it in ways that are safe and that really do build up the church. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, I want to share that um, I suggested or chose this song of response, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Because all the gifts are intended to point to the gospel and to Jesus. And so I thought, what better response? What's tongues about? The gospel of Jesus Christ, like all the gifts. Let's stand and sing.